This is the Reverend Jeremy Means Koss, and you're listening to an Episcopal Constellation in the Shires of Vermont. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the fourth week in the season of Epiphany, this season to celebrate the glory and revelation of God in Christ. Uh, And things are just starting to get good in the story of Jesus's ministry. Um, Interesting factoid, uh, the first thing to recognize Jesus's amazingness is actually like an unclean spirit, which is very cool and very weird. And we're not talking about that today, but I just wanted to put that thing that you want in that earworm in your brain. Um, So far, our hero has been anointed and washed in the River Jordan. He's called his first four disciples, uh, and he started to preach and teach. And now we get to this moment where he hits it big and becomes famous. Um, This isn't his first miracle, to be clear. Um, His first two miracles are actually recorded in the Gospel of John, uh, where he turns water into wine at the wedding of Cana. That's his first recorded miracle. The second recorded miracle uh, in John chapter 4 is that when he immediately gets to Capernaum, which is where the city that we're in right now that Mark tells us that he's in, John says when he first gets there, there's an official whose son uh, needs to be healed. And so he heals that son. But Mark tells us that now he's in Capernaum and he's at the synagogue and he's preaching and he's teaching. um, And we have this third recorded miracle in front of disciples, strangers, and he becomes famous. They're like, oh, wow, like, who's that guy? Um, Verse 28, at once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. But so what? What does the fame of Jesus have to do with us? Well, on the surface, nothing. I mean, yes, from a prophecy perspective, right, that we get from Deuteronomy chapter 18, what we read today, where God confirms for Moses that there's going to be another great prophet, um, that another will come down the line. That's important. From a prophetic standpoint, that's important. But beyond that meaning, it's fulfilling of what God will do. Is there something that we can learn about Jesus in the scriptures about the dangers of being famous. The dangers of having other people look at you and say, see, that is what I thought about Christians. Okay, they talk a good game, but that's how they really act. I mean, I know we talk a lot about being authentic and we talk a lot about Um, what we do versus, like what we do here at St. Peter's versus what the rest of the world might want from us. But we haven't talked much about what it means to be looked at by the outside world. What it means to have what you do seen by those around you. Being mindful about a visible mentorship of faith is such an important issue that Paul devotes this whole section of his letter to the Corinthians on it. So we've talked about Paul's letter to the Christian community in Corinth uh, before, and we talked about how this isn't his first letter to them. 
And we know that they are kind of a rough and tumble group in terms of their way with faith and their practice. In some ways, the Christians in Corinth are actually a perfect group for us to look at because they show us just how imperfect Christians can be in the Bible and how imperfection, imperfection is always okay as long as long as you're always striving to be a better person. And here in chapter eight, we get this one particular example of some infighting that's begun to occur. According to the reports that get back to Paul, which he then tells us in his letter, some followers of Jesus in Corinth have seen other followers of Jesus buying meats and produce from pagan suppliers. And they get all upset because to some of those Jesus followers, it's blasphemous. It's outrageous to buy meat and produce that is dedicated and prayed over by pagan worship. Now, to be clear, the Jesus followers who bought the food didn't say any prayers themselves, but they did purchase the food that had been blessed by a different belief. And it is causing a huge ruckus in the church community because people are all upset that Jesus followers are supposedly supporting pagan beliefs. Okay, so Paul's answer to these folks is twofold, right? First, he says, look, we know, you and I know that these pagan gods aren't real. Like, so calm down. It doesn't really mean anything if people buy quote unquote blessed food because it's not really blessed to begin with. So like, don't get all upset, relax. But then he says this second thing, which is also really good. And he says that there are people out in the community who aren't going to be as wise as you and I. They aren't going to know that those blessings aren't real. And if they see you buying it out in the open, if you're buying it with people watching you and they don't know, they might think that you're actually supporting that faith. So buy whatever you need to buy, like do what you gotta do. It doesn't technically harm anything, but be aware of how you look to other people. Now, I may not appear it right now, but back in my younger days, I was actually a pretty flamboyant person. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna take your laugh to mean that, oh, we could never see that. Yeah, right, all right. Um, I mean, I was really, really flamboyant. And I loved, I love me, right? I'm not embarrassed by that. Um, my point is asking that young me to conform to some kind of gendered stereotype, to walk or talk or look or dress a certain way would have been really damaging to, to my development and growth as a person. I don't believe God ever asks us to hide who we are or make our identities conform to what we think will please other people. I don't for a second believe that Paul's wisdom is telling us to put our identities in the closet. But I do believe, I do believe, and perhaps you believe this too, that we don't live in a vacuum, that we don't live in this space and time where how we treat other people how we spend our money, how we do things in society is invisible to the world around us. When we talk about others, 
other people see that. When we're rude, people see that. When we make promises or give our word and then don't fulfill them, people see that. And in those things seen, who we are is revealed. How we act and treat others and how we share our patterns of faith is a very visible way that we show the world and teach the world about us. Paul's lesson to the Corinthians is part and parcel of that. And I love that St. Paul gives us both of these aspects in that lesson. Back in 1998, uh, Jim Carrey starred in this movie called The Truman Show. Some of you may have seen it. And he plays this role of Truman. And in this movie, Truman lived his entire life on a television set with cameras. He didn't realize he was being filmed, that the whole world was watching him, but they were. And PR did a segment a few weeks ago about reality dating shows. And they talked about how the directors could ever so easily pull the strings or edit the video to make certain people be out as the villains or the bachelorettes or bachelors that you rooted for. It's a delicate and gentle balance to be fully authentic and fully mindful of what the world sees. The makeup industry totally capitalizes on the idea of creating a mask. But at no point in scripture is Jesus anything other than himself. At no point in scripture, no matter how much he may not want to be famous, does Jesus deny who he is or make choices that he isn't willing to stand up to. To his disciples, Jesus is very willing to ask them, who do you say that I am? How do I show up to you? To Pontius Pilate, his judge and jury, the one who will declare for his execution. When Pontius asks him, they say you are the king of the Jews. Jesus replies, that's what you say. The implicit reply being, he didn't say that. He knew who he was. He was confident in who he was and he knew how he looked to the rest of the world. If Jesus is our moral compass, if he gives us the tools to live better, more holy lives, I think it's pretty clear that St. Paul's words to the church in Corinth hold their weight. You have to live authentically to your own circumstances, your own life, your own truth. But you also have to be aware that your truth is always on display to the wider world. So when it comes to things that either don't matter because you know that they don't matter, or because it is who you are and you deserve to always be who you are, stand firm in that and don't lose confidence. But when it comes to showing other people how to act, how to believe, how to live, no, you are a model of behavior, whether you like it or not. All of us are. Amen. Thank you for listening to an Episcopal Constellation. We hope you enjoyed what you heard. And if so, please give us five stars on your local podcast provider.